Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Hey guys, we are back with Be Real. This is Anisha and Diana and another week in the pandemic, right? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's like all you can really say, right? Like another week. Um, We have been through a couple of different um, seasons, right? So we've been through spring now. We're into summer. Um, We started, we did a little bit of winter. We we started in winter. We started in winter. Yep. Yeah, winter, so, spring, um, summer. I'm we're gonna in the go dead with fall. summer. <laughs> I'm gonna go. We're gonna be into this into the fall. Yeah, we are definitely gonna be here in the fall. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're making some changes over here so that it's easier to work from home for sure. So move some furniture around today. <laughs> Getting really like tight. Change some light bulbs. Tightened up some cabinets. <laughs> because we keep using them. Yeah. I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be here in the fall. You're right. So I think that we have to figure out what does that look like? What is that going to feel like? I guess just kind of the quarantining, isolating, you know, it is summer so we can go out more. Right. So should we be taking advantage of that? That's my real question. Like, should we safely be taking advantage of going outside? Because in a couple of months, because of weather, depending on where we live, we won't be able to do that. How do you feel about safely taking advantage of summer, Diana? Well, um, I mean, I definitely know I'm not going outside as much. Well, that I shouldn't say that. I go outside every day. I'm just not commuting into the city to like go, which is where I would be out and about and doing the thing. But um, we booked a vacation, a travel vacation, on in the car. I'm looking forward to that, which is a different way for us to have a summer vacation. We normally get on a plane. You know, I'm going out for dinner. I'm sitting outside. They in my town what they did, and I know that I saw it in the city too. I mean, they really tricked out the restaurants. They're cute. They're, they're cute. obstructing in traffic, but they're cute. <laughs> I mean, yes, they are obstructing traffic, which, you know, I know that there's a lot of talk right now that New York is might be like a bike town, more bicycles. Uh, They have those scooters out there, which would look very dangerous because people aren't wearing their helmets, but very European, which I kind of like. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I get the, I get the sense we should, we should go out a little bit, but safely. Safely. I, I agree. Um, I I've been eating outdoors, which has been fun. Um, I had this new regiment where I walked through Central Park from 57th Street to 110. So I walked the full park. So that's been really nice. And I did go to a party in the park last week to celebrate Kim's birthday. And I have to say, I did have a good time, but I felt very guilty for not having on my mask most of the time that I was there. And I knew most of the people there, but Afterwards, I really had to check myself and say, hey, I don't think that you are as safe as you could have been. And so, yeah, have to tighten up a little bit. Did you drink lots of water? Because it was 100 degrees out on <laughs> over the week. It was like 96 that day. Yeah. I did drink a lot of water. Um, we had a lot of fun. We had water balloons, everything, right? But I felt like I was without my mask too much of the time. Too so. much of the time? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard, right? Like you're, it's like you're hot behind that mask. It's a little bit sweaty. Like you don't know what's happening to your skin. My, my poor little chin's a little inflamed from being behind the mask, but I do understand the importance of it because my wearing the mask makes sure that you Anisha, my good friends stay healthy. That's what I want. Although I'm not going to wear the mask while we're on the podcast because I'm in my own house and you're in your own house and we're not really together. But if we were together and we were in the room together, we would have to wear our masks while we were doing this because we're still in a pandemic and we're not in each other's pods. Are you calling it a pod or a circle? Circle. I'm calling yeah. it a pod. Pod feels cozy. Okay. Because it is cozy. It's not cozy. that many of us. It's not that intimate. many. No, it very is very intimate. intimate. It's intimate in the pod. Yeah, I like the pod. And we've been like slowly expanding the pod just like a little bit. Just like, mm, mm. but I do kind of, I mean, I'm not one for putting like a tracker in your wrist and figuring out where you are, but you do have like your iPhone. Do you know that your iPhone now tracks where you go? Like you can have the COVID tracker thing on there, which I'm not opposed to, but. I'm like, wow. I kind of do want, you have to turn it on. It's just, it, okay. if you turn well, that's it on, good enough. it's in there. But like, if you could just give me a list of the people that you came in contact with, but it's, I mean, it's kind of like, it's like a new sexually transmitted disease, but it's not like you don't even get to hug. You don't even get all of that. So it is, um, I don't know. It's, I guess it's, I'm still a little anxious. I'm still a little anxious. Uh, I think people, I mean, the numbers in New York and New Jersey are down, down, way down. I mean, in my little hamlet, we had a zero people in the hospital this week. Nice. Yeah. So, I you mean, know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting, right? And it's going to continue to get even more interesting because we just don't know what's going to happen in the fall in the winter. So if I'm going to have to bunker down, then, you know, I'm going to have to bunker down. So since we have been still bunkering down, what are you watching? Like, what are you binge watching, Diana? <laughs> oh, my newest binge is Pretty Little Liars. And you know what? I love every single thing about it. It's terrible. It's like, but it's, I got like, I think there's like eight seasons or something. So like, I'm good till the end of August. Nice. There were like 27 episodes in the first, or like 25 episodes in season one. I was like, this is the best thing that I've done in a really long time. I'm like, I'm in. I don't have to think about what I'm going to watch. I can go. I can turn it on. I can cook. I can do my thing. And 
It's me and the girls trying to figure out who is A. I don't know yet. I have no idea. Not bad. And you? Um, you put me on to The Politician on Netflix. It's only two seasons, so I got through them. It was super funny. Loved the dark humor. Can't mm-hmm. wait till season three. And um, I'm back on um, Queen of the South. So the new ep- um, season four is out now. So um, I'm watching that. But, That's um, a good one. We watched yeah. that. But I am turning on the TV less. Um, I've started reading more. And yeah, it's kind of nice not to have the TV on all day. It's been interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't turn the TV on until after the day is over. I don't know if I'm, I don't know what I'm doing during the day when I'm not working. I don't <laughs> think I'm reading, though. I think I'm still really distracted. Um, but the TV, the TV signifies my day is complete. Like I'm going to the couch and my day is done, done, done. That's what I'm doing. But we have a really good show for you all today. Yes, yes, yes. Do you want to tell you want to tell everybody who's here? Well, listen, it is still Minority Mental Health Month, guys. So we are that is still our focus. So um, I'm excited to talk about our guest today. So our guest today is Akia Williams. She began her career in the mental health field over 17 years ago after completing her undergraduate degree at Temple University. In 2001, she successfully earned a BA in psychology with the minor in business, and she's currently in the second year of her master's program in counseling. Uh, Zakia Williams is the president and CEO of Interface Psych Services, and her mission is to educate and remove the stigma surrounding mental health in the Black community. She is dedicated and works nonstop helping people find their path to healing with Black Men Heal, where, it, where she is the co-founder and client liaison. So today she's going to talk all about Black Men Hill. I think you guys are going to love it. We're going to let you know how you guys can donate, how you can help some Black men make their way to therapy. So um, have a listen, sit back, relax, and uh, hope you enjoy. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Hello, hello, hello. We are back with Be Real. This is Anisha Salisbury. And where's my co-host at? Here I am, Diana Gasparonis, right over here. So hello. We are, oh, hey, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are super excited today to have Zakia Williams here from Black Men Heal. Uh, again, we are still talking about Minority Mental Health Month. So we are um, excited to have her on and to learn more about her organization. Hi, Zakia. 
Hi, how you guys? I'm glad to be here. We're happy to have you. Happy to have you. Um, So let's just get started. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and who you are? Um, So my name is Zakia Williams. I own a small private practice in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. It's a small suburb right outside of uh, Philadelphia. I'm currently in school to get my license to become a licensed professional counselor. Um, I'm the co-founder of Black Men Heal, which I love. Everything else I said is, you know, how I make my money, but I love Black Men Heal. That's my passion. Um, Black Men Heal is a nonprofit organization that was started by a licensed clinical therapist. Her name is Tesnem Suleiman. She's the founder and I'm the co-founder. Tell us how it happened. Tell us how the whole thing came together. Sure. So um, how it happened is that Tesnem, of course, she's in private practice and she started, um, she wanted to have a space for men. Uh, She noticed that there was a disparity of men coming in for counseling and she just wanted to um, eradicate all of the variables and barriers that Um, you know, stop some men from coming into counseling. So she was initially going to just offer some free sessions to men herself. Um, But then she decided to reach out to some therapist friends and just, you know, see if she can start the organization. Within that, she, er everything was on a completely volunteer basis. Um, So they contacted me, uh, someone contacted me and asked me if I can volunteer some space because of my, my private practice in Jenkintown. And I just, once I heard what they were doing and what the, the mission was about, I couldn't offer enough space. Right. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I have some space in the off, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And as, as it was getting off the ground, you know, I just became so involved. And, you know, Tasnim and I just worked so closely together. So we just kind of put all the, the pieces in place. And, you know, that's how that's how it started. So can you tell us how long it's been? When did it start? So it started uh, July of 2018. Yeah, so what is that? Wow, that's two years ago. Yeah, it started July. We sat at Taz's kitchen table and we all just kind of worked it out that way. So yeah, wow, I can't believe it's been two years. Yeah, July 2018. A lot of things, exciting things happen over a kitchen table. Anisha and I have both (laughs) started programs over (laughs) a kitchen table. And respectively, Anisha sat at my kitchen table. She started her program at her kitchen table. A lot can come out of those those situations. My next question was then you started with volunteers. How many people have you served so far? So, so far we have have been able to donate 569 sessions. I don't know how that breaks down as far as the number of men. Yeah, we started, our first cohort was about eight men and then it grew progressively and we are currently in our fifth cohort. And right now we have 37 men with uh, 24, I believe, therapists um, that has that have volunteered for the program. Um, because of COVID, now this is our first cohort that's 100% um, virtual. And actually this is our very first cohort that we're able to pay our clinicians, which we are so excited about um, because up until now, everything has just been on a strictly, like again, 100% volunteer basis. And because we were privy to be on that national uh, program, the Breakfast Club, um, one of the hosts, Charlemagne the God, he donated $10,000 to our mission. And with that money, this is our first cohort that we are able to pay our clinicians to, you know, to, to service our men. I'm going to let Anisha ask a question and we can talk about my crush on Charlemagne later. Huge crush. Huge. Um, I do think that that is some um, amazing numbers. 
so I did notice on your website, you show statistics that are specific to the African-American community, right? So one in five African-American people will develop mental illness. One in 25 black men between the ages of 15 and 24 will commit suicide. Um, if you could speak a little bit to these statistics so our listeners can really understand why this is so important, the work that you do. You know, and Tesnem and I, we talked about that statistic um, before and, you know, often because it's on our website. But to be honest, those numbers, we believe, are underreported um, because a lot of Black men, and men in general, but a lot of Black men are, they really hesitate to even come in to seek therapy, to even know what the, the true number is. But, you know, because of this, the climate now with COVID and um, the George Floyd incident that happened, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, we have, I've, I've noticed that we have um, received a number, a huge influx of um, applications than we had before of men stating that as the reason why they're coming in. You know, it's just hard dealing with this, um, this atmosphere and the environment of COVID or, you know, just this racial discrimination and things that they have been going through. And they had, they put that on their application. Whereas before it wasn't that prevalent. They would say things like, oh, you know, I need help with becoming a better father or I'm having relationship issues or, you know, things like that. Some of them can't really call it, you know, anxiety or depression. They can't really name it, but they'll just give us symptoms. But um, specifically this time, they have been reaching out and just expressing sadness and hopelessness and feelings around this whole and around uh, being quarantined and they themselves have either had COVID or have some loved ones that died from COVID and just being the frontline workers and everything that um, contributes to, you know, the racial uh, disparities amongst those men. So yeah, we, we our, our applications have gone up tremendously. When I listen to you, I think that as an African-American therapist and a therapist who predominantly sees people of color, um, I do only have a small amount of men, you know, on my caseload. So of all of my clients, most of them are women and I probably have about five men. And so what I realized when they come is that they haven't been told kind of how to process and talk about emotional experiences. You know, it's just not something that they've done. So when they sit on the couch, it's just so hard for them to kind of open up and be vulnerable. And so to not have that space, you know, it leads to kind of this sense of isolation, this anger, kind of this resentment. And what we see in a lot of men is that kind of shutting down thing. Like you said, they start to come to therapy because it starts to affect their relationship, either their intimate partner relationships or their friendships. And that's when they start to come in and kind of talk a little bit more about it because they don't want to be known as angry, but they just don't know how do I kind of talk about these other things, right? Like maybe the sadness or maybe the hopelessness. So I'm just so excited to hear that you guys have so many men in your cohort because I always tell Diana, I want more male clients, Always, right? <laughs> I want them to come to therapy. It takes them so long sometimes, right? Sometimes I'll get them through couples therapy, right? And then I might start seeing them on their own, but it's just been so good. And like you said, lately, the men that I do talk to, I've been seeing kind of this, this real sense of fear, you know, just around being a black man and, 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 and being in a black body and, and how that stokes fear for some reason in other people, right? And what does that mean for them? And what does that mean for their futures and the future of their sons? I just want to thank you for all the work that you do. And as someone else who sees predominantly people of color during this time, it has been very rough, you know, dealing with the racial injustice, 
the social isolation and the COVID. And, and that's, what I, that's what I love about Black Men Heal. It's like when we first started, we thought the issue was going to be um, getting the men to come in, but it's just, it, it, we've been flooded. I mean, we had 200 people on our waiting list after that interview with Charlemagne, just men just wanting to pour out. It's like we created this space for them and it, it felt like it was something that they had been missing for, for their entire lives because it's just, it's amazing to see how they just, you know, the things that they say to us, the things that they say on their applications. I, I was at, we were shocked. We were really shocked. And, and, you know, after each cohort, we used to have uh, fundraisers. And after, at each fundraiser, we would get the men, we would ask them, of course, um, to volunteer, to tell them about to uh, the journey through their through our program and, you know, whatever. And it was like, after they got up and did their testimonials, that's when we would get even more men, right. you know, coming in. And it was like, that's that's one of the main goals of Black Men Hills to break the stigma in the Black community. And it's like when we show other men saying, you know, I had this problem, I'm jumpstarting my healing journey. Other men started hearing that. And then a lot of, most of our applications come from referrals of men who have gone through our program already. Friends of other men or just, you know. I love the process. Of, because it was some, something that I was very drawn to, that your process of asking them after their initial eight sessions to really go back out into the community and talk about what their experience was, I was very drawn to that. And also, um, I'm interested in your application process, because I think that that, your, that process of matching and the application is also so interesting and so poignant to connecting men to people to somebody who can really identify and really work with them and get that through. If you could speak about that a little bit. You know, Taz and I joke all the time that our matching system, that's our secret sauce. You know, we, uh, we, liken, ourselves to, <laughs> we liken ourselves to match.com. I mean, truthfully, we literally pour over each application and we go through. So we like to get to know our volunteer providers as well as our men so that we can match them, you know, at first, when we first started pre-COVID, we matched them uh, um, to, from location. So we didn't want our men to have to go 10 miles further than where they were. We also matched them with insurance. Some of our um, therapists, you know, they are licensed. We also take pre-licensed therapists, too, that's sitting for licensure. And we offer them the, the supervision to do so. Um, but the ones that have insurance, we try to match men with the uh therapist that accepts their insurance so that they can continue on afterwards. Uh, so far, we have 69% of our men that continue on with their therapist after the eight free sessions are over. Um, and some of them, we also match them up with income because a lot of our men, sometimes it's not an income issue. They just want another black therapist. So we match them up with, um, you know, someone who, you know, if they have the means that we can match them up with someone who will be able to pay the therapist and to continue on with the therapy. Um, and again, we match them up with um, the issue, you know, someone who specializes in trauma or anxiety or, you know, things like that. And then even down to the small details, you know, sometimes we have veterans that are therapists. So if, man, if a man come in and he's a veteran, we'll try to match him up with the veteran. Or if a man comes in and he's, he's um, displaying or he um, says things, something like he's missing uh, like a maternal feeling or, you know, the way he was raised or something like that, we'll match them up with the therapist that has, you know, a mater more maternal feel and things like that. So we try to get them, you know, like I said, we really do a, a 
deep matchup. I mean, I was at Taz's house till three in the morning one day, and it's like, we'll hear one little thing that they say. So you're like, oh no, well, maybe he'll be good with so-and-so, you know? So we, we, we really take pride in our matching system. There's so much love in your matching system. I mean, that is, that is a labor of love. And to make sure that that, that, that person is going to go in and sit and be that comfortable to be, to allow himself to be vulnerable. That is amazing. That's amazing. What a gift. So I just, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm a little overwhelmed. Go ahead. It happens. So I know that you said that you guys offer eight free sessions, right? And so when I was reading all about it, it was great to see like you matched them with a therapist, but just not any therapist, a black therapist, right? And I know that studies show that black men who have black doctors receive more effective care, right? So I think that when black men come in, they have this realization already with them, right? So they're thinking about this. And I think it's so important on your journey to healing to um, not have to explain culture, to be able to sit across from someone. And, you know, if you say some slang or you say some something that, you know, they know what it means and you don't kind of have to explain that. And I get a lot of that. And just to be in a space where you feel seen and heard and understood, I realize means so much to men. And so when you were saying that you match them up with these black therapists, I do realize that black therapists only make up less than 5% of mental health practitioners. So where are you finding these people? And I'm starting to feel like I might need to get on your list right (laughs) here in New York City. I'm pretty sure that I can um, give my services. And I would also love to see more Black men. Um, And for our listeners, I do want you to know that there are so many more directories now that are focused with um, therapists of color, right? So like Ayana therapy and um, melanin and mental health. I think therapy for black girls, therapy for black men. So they have all of these other directories out there. So if that is what you're looking for, you can find it. So yeah, if you could speak a little bit more on like, how are you finding these people? And in that, are all of your therapists women? Because I, I do have men and women therapists. I'm interested in that. So um, I'm glad Adisha um, spoke about the percentage of Black therapists because that is one of the things that, again, that I do love about Black Men Heal. What we do is because we take pre-licensed therapists, we are helping other, I mean, we're helping Black therapists become licensed. That's one of the yes. aspects. And then the, the newly licensed therapists, we help a lot of them build their private practice. I mean, some of them will take three men of ours. And so if they take three men, then those men become three clients. And then they might tell someone else about, you know, whatever. So we, we're helping a lot of black therapists build black, I mean, build their private practice. And that's one thing that we just love about, um, you know, Black Men Hill so that we can increase that 4% of black therapists. You know, as far as how we get them, to be honest, it's just Instagram and Facebook and, you know, we um, play things like your organization, uh, places like the Breakfast Club. I mean, we go on a lot of different podcasts and, you know, no podcast is too big, no podcast is too small, no, you know, because we want to get the word out there. And from every one, every time one of us go out and speak, we do get someone that wants to volunteer for the mission. The, the mission kind of speaks for itself. You know what I mean? Like once we started talking about it, everyone, I mean, people, you know, I'm not going to say, I hate to say it. I actually love to say it. People are like, well, how can I get involved? We, this is also our first cohort that we are trying to expand outside of the Philadelphia area. We do have, we're trying to do one in New York. 
Um, and we did have a few volunteer therapists and we had a, a waiting list of I think about 40 men from New York that we're trying to get paired up. So we're, go we're doing New York, New Jersey, Delaware and, and Philly. So that, that's what we've been doing. So when you are ready and you are ready and you are set up in New York, I would like to let you know right now that I am all in. I am, I am so excited and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of all in um, oh, because wow, I realized that. Oh, of course. I, I and realized she can that. supervise. Don't forget that. You can supervise oh, yes. for hours in New York. I am a licensed clinical social worker, so I do supervise therapists so I can help with that as well. But for me, as I sit here, I realize that repressing our emotions has kind of created this culture of silence. I feel like when you have these sessions with these black men and we'll talk more about the group that you have, right? And how, you know, there's that group experience and not just that individual therapy experience that you give the men. But it feels like it's a moment to kind of redefine what strength is and kind of for them to build a brotherhood that they may not have. And a brotherhood that actually talks about emotions and thoughts and feelings and you being vulnerable is not seen as a weakness or a negative. It's more seen as actually a strength and something very positive. Yeah, I guess if you could talk a little bit more about King's Corner. So I, I saw that on the site. So if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what King's Corner is. King's Corner is just amazing. I'm not I'm saying everything is amazing, but I-, I, I No, I, I it, like is you, amazing. I, I, it is I, I amazing. Love to, I love to see these men be vulnerable. I love that they know that we set this space specifically for them, you know, but anyway, um, so King's Corner is something that we developed because of COVID, um, because after what we used to do is during our uh, regular cohorts, we would have a group session for the men that was on the waiting list because they couldn't get an individual spot in the interim, we would get do groups. And then once the individuals start up, they could, you know, do it. But we weren't able to do that because of COVID. So we started King's Corner, which is a virtual safe space. It's a meetup group that we do every week. And we have a different topic every week. And, you know, Taz and I, um, so we, we watch it afterwards just so we can get the data, like how many men for, um, participated, where they're from, you know, things of like that. And every time we're both like overwhelmed with emotion because the way that these men connect to each other, number one, it just, it, it, they really, they, they listen to each other. They all share, they empower each other. You know, we have men on there from London to Mississippi. You know, we have men on there from 19 years old to 53 years old. And it's like, sometimes when they get emotional, like all of the men, like they do this to each other, you know, like, oh, you know, or they'll actually say, you know, oh, I have your back or we got you, bro. Or, you know, and sometimes they'll even exchange information in the chat so that they can talk online afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, it is just so amazing to see these men coming together. Number one, being vulnerable and just that that male energy, like when we watch the, the footage back, that male energy, the way they're all just so patient with each other and loving to each other in a male way though, you know, I mean, we've also had groups that, um, that's led, we're doing one for the LGBT community, you know, just to try to break down that barrier for homophobia in the black community, you know, like things like that. Like some of the men may shy away from, because um, last week, Taz and I actually did one and it was about how black men can become allies to black women, um, you know, in light of the whole Breonna Taylor thing and just the things that the men were saying. I'm, I'm always just blown away. I'm always just blown away to hear their, their vulnerability, you know, because I grew up in 
in the urban, you know, in the ghetto, North Philly. And it's like, like she said, we, we've been taught that, you know, men act a certain way, you know, and, and I, and I can admit I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I have a 19 year old son. He'll be 20 in November, but I, I tell him all this. I used to tell him when he was a baby, Oh, stop crying. That's not what big boys do. And that's, we've created that culture. And then now that they're grown, we're like, Oh, well, why are they so, you know, shut down? I know. Well, we've been telling them for years, don't express your emotion, don't express your feelings. And now that they can't, but for some reason amongst each other, they, they are able to just, just be vulnerable and, and express everything that's going on. And to your question, Diana, most of the, our therapists are women. Um, so we have, again, we have the 24 therapists and about maybe, I'm gonna say about 16 are women. So, but we are getting some men. So I'm like happy about that. At first we had one male. And so now to have, you know, at least eight, it's like, you know. That's a good number, eight, yeah. eight black male therapists. That's a huge number. That's amazing. So uh, you answered a question, but I want to make sure that our listeners really hear it. So if you were, if you wanted to be part of this King's Corner, you can be anywhere in the world. Anybody can be part of this. De- definitely. Yeah. You just go onto our website and fill out the, um, the link that we have. And one of the guys on our team, they'll send you the link to join the actual group. And yes, as we like I said, we had someone from the UK, we had someone from Canada, and it's not only for Black men; it's for all men. But that is the specific um, demographic that we're targeting. Um, but we do have sometimes we have um, Latino men on there. We had an um, an Asian guy. Well, he applied, but he didn't join. I don't know why. But that's so. I mean, I I know I put it in the notes, but like it's one thing to get guys to come into a room for individual. But like to really be able to have that power of a group and the, that brotherhood and for them to be vulnerable with each other, what an amazingly powerful experience. It's just, it, I mean, all of these things are so incredible and so needed. I'm not, I don't have a question. I'm just making a statement. I'm just going to go on with my statements. Go ahead. <laughs> a question. I do think it's important to talk about the fact that Black men are speaking out about mental illness in a way that they've never done before, right? Like rapper Kid Cudi came out and talked about it. Wayne Brady talks about his depression. Um, The Rock has actually talked about it. And more and more people are naming things like, oh, I have anxiety. Oh, I have depression. And I think that that is going to help kind of help this uh, stigma disappear because people are like, listen, this is something that's going on with me and people should know, right? Like we have to stop being silent. We have to start speaking out about it. When I read about the group kind of therapy that you do, I did think about the fact that with group, there is this initial resistance generally with people in general, but also with black men. And then like this early disengagement, but it sounds like your men are very engaged and there hasn't been much um, resistance or has it been? No, it hasn't been at all. And I don't know. See, we started it right when the quarantine hit. So I don't know if it was because they were, you know, locked in and it was like, you know, I need some sort of outlet. But I mean, you know, even as things have slowly opened up, we haven't had um, last week. It was about a stress, stress and how black men specifically deal with stress. And they had 32 guys on every week, you know, it's, it's a different topic. And then all of the men don't come on, of course, at once, but I guess they pick the topic that's applicable to them. You know, we haven't had any resistance at all. I think we are seeing that this is also a special time in history. All of the T's are now, I mean, all the I's are dotted, like, you know, just kind of everything is 
coming together for people to realize, especially Black people, that there needs to be a healing going on. We cannot just continue in this space where we don't talk about the things that are impacting us. We're not talking about how racism impacts us, inequalities and bias and, it, and feeling excluded and poverty. I think that it is a great time for Black Men Heal and other programs like it because I'm noticing that I am getting more people, especially more Black men that are reaching out um, because it's time to not, not be silent anymore. It's just really time to talk about how do I heal from this? I can't keep acting like there's nothing wrong. And in addition to that, you know, when we first started, we used to get a lot of backlash from women like, well, what about us? Or, you know, why is it only, you know, for men? And it's, as Diana said, there's so many programs for women, number one. And then, you know, as Tash used to say, helping them helps us. You know what I mean? Like, like I used to always say, well, I, I always say, you know, I am the collateral damage of a man that needed to be healed. You know, so it's like helping heal black men will help heal uh, black women, you know, will help heal black families, black communities. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just, it's not a, a, in a, in a box. It, it, it's, it's to help all of us. You know, if they can start their healing journey and, and um, start dealing with their trauma, maybe they won't in, impact some of that on the people who's closest to them. You know what I'm saying? Who's usually us. It, 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 it's just, it's a help for all of us. And it's just been an incredible journey going from where we started. Again, we started with nothing. When I say nothing, we started with nothing. And then, you know, after a while we got the t-shirts and we were selling the t-shirts and that was, you know, okay. And we had our first fundraiser and I will never forget our first fundraiser. We raised $884 and we were like celebrating. Like, you know, it was like, I mean, it was the most, I mean, it was just so amazing that we had, we couldn't believe it, you know? And then like now to, for, companies are like reaching out trying to give us money and trying to raise money for us and, and it's just like it's it just is so heartwarming to know that they believe in our mission just as much as we we do you know they want to they want to help us and and it's just it's just been an unbelievable just incredible journey that I've been on that we've been all on together and we our goal is just to take it national so that we can go in different cities and put this model into different cities and heal as many men along with the other organizations that you named. It started at your kitchen table and now it's bigger. So can you speak a little bit to what's happened in the growth of the organization itself? Because we, we know we have your volunteers, but then like the organization structure itself is building. There's more of a foundation there. What, um, what happened is after we started getting a lot of donations and we had to form a board and do, you know, get accountants and a social media team and things that we knew nothing about, um, still don't, but um, we just have, we, our organization, it's, Taz and I still do a lot of the work. We're, we're very hands-on because even though we've gotten donations that just started like earlier this year. So we really can't get put anyone on salary or, you know, things like that. We, Taz and I don't take a dime yet. Um, but, um, you know, we have been, we have been, so what we do is we give the eight free sessions and we pay the therapist for the sessions. Um, those sessions are equivalent to like a thousand dollars. We break the breakdown. It's like a thousand dollars. Well, you all know if you have been in private practice, you know, eight sessions. That's we try to do equivalent to a thousand dollars. So what happened is when we 
we initially started with um, asking for um, $10,000 so we can do 10 men through a, uh, through a cohort because that's what usually we, we got. Fortunately, so we have so many men now that it's just, we have been, but we have a lot more donations as well. And that takes care of, before we were going to pay the uh, people who volunteered space like I did initially, but because everything is virtual, we don't do that. So we just, you know, we won't have to do that. But we pay our hosts now for um, King's Corner, you know, the research that they have to do, the actual hosting time of thing, um, you know, of the session that they do. And we have a different host um, every week. And we do all of that to eliminate the cost for our men. So we put all the work in on the front end so that they won't have any work to put in on the back end. You know, we like to say we give out the red carpet treatment. All they have to do is show up. You know, we don't have, they don't have to pay for anything. They don't have to find anyone. I mean, you know, if you, if they usually when men or anyone goes to get a therapist, they, the insurance company, you can look on the back of your insurance card and that could be a number of people, you know, but we tried to eliminate all of that by giving them a black therapist. We eliminate the cost. Uh, we, we, well, we used to eliminate the distance and just, you know, the uh, specialties. So that's pretty much how the organization is broken down. Do you uh, verify their benefits too? If like, if they have, if they have insurance, are you verifying the benefits prior to their eight sessions? No, we don't do it prior to the eight sessions because that's, we don't use their insurance at all. But if right. they want to continue, right. we do verify the insurance or we give the, their clinician the option of doing that. Actually, after that eight sessions, Blackman Hill is kind of like out of it. We turn them over to the hands of the therapist. So the therapist will either accept their insurance or they provide them with a sliding scale fee if they mm -hmm. can't afford mm -hmm. their actual um cost, you know, what they charge, they provide them with a sliding scale fee so that they continue, continue on with service. Is there like a survey or something where you ask the men, like, what can you afford? So then when you are matching them up with the therapist that you're like, okay, if you can afford 125, this is how much this person's rate is. So after the eight sessions are up or like, if you do have insurance, what insurance do you have? So like after the sessions are over, you know, does, do, does, your, can your insurance pay this clinician, right? So then they don't have to kind of worry about finding someone else that mm -hmm. if everything can kind of line up, then they can continue with that therapist and it'll just be kind of up to them whether or not they want to continue. There will be no more barriers. So that's part of our um, application process. Our application is a two-step two process. The first one is the prerequisite prerequisites. So they fill out the application. And to be honest, that's how we <laughs> weed out the people who are not ready for therapy. You know, we, one of our um, one recommendations is that the men themselves have to apply for therapy. And we did that because we didn't want all of these women to apply. Oh, my brother needs it. Oh, my husband needed it or, you know, whatever. So one of the, <laughs> one of the things the men have to do it themselves. So once they do the prereqs, then we send them the full application. The full application takes about 30 30 minutes and it itself is almost like a therapy session and because we ask them you know detailed questions about you know what it is that they're coming for what they want to gain from the sessions but to answer your question we ask them their um income how much income they make we ask them what their insurance is so that we know who they can you know what they can do and how they can further their sessions in addition to that on their seventh 
session, we give them an exit interview and their exit interview details, you know, if they would like to continue on, how happy they are with their therapist, um, you know, things like that. And we can tell from that if they want to continue on. That is a very impressive intake process. I do have one question. (laughs) Did you guys create the intake yourself? Did you create the questionnaire? Yep. We created all of our questionnaires, all our forms, all of our, because again, Taz is in private practice. I have a private practice. I'm not a therapist yet, but yeah, we did um, develop them on our own. Yeah. The surveys are so important because also you can think about whether or not I want to continue to use this provider, right? Like if this person had a good experience, do we want to use this person again? So I think that that's really good that they have kind of that exit interview to talk about their experience. And so then you know how best to kind of, you know, help this population a little bit more because you have a better understanding of who they are and what their needs are. Right. And that's what our our matchups are, you know, again, of the match.com thing. When we try to get, we we not only try to get the um, perfect therapist for the client, we try to get the perfect client for the therapist. And so afterwards, you know, we get so many thank yous for, from our therapists that say, you know, oh, I love this client. We had such a great, you know, they helped me learn some things about myself. You know, we get, we get thank you notes from both sides. Do you know uh, from the number of co- you're on your fifth cohort, did you say? Um, how many men have continued in treatment? Do you know? I don't know um, the actual number, but because of our systems, we they do it in percentage-wise. So the system Great. that we use, we have 69% so far that have continued on with their therapists. You have amazing retention. And ama- that, that's amazing <laughs> retention right there. That's a, as somebody who crunches numbers on retention oh, <laughs> on wow, a regular basis. <laughs> that is really good retention. It's, Uh, With your population as well. I mean, these are people, you are targeting an audience who therapy is not their language. So, and to get, and then eight sessions is a great engagement. And I did a little math over here. That's not a bad, that's not a bad volunteer salary (laughs) for that hour. And my other math, my other thought was when you were talking that when you're donating and we'll make sure that we have the link on all of our social media channels when we um, post this episode that uh, you could sponsor one man to be in therapy for eight sessions for a thousand dollars like that you it's a sponsorship you're sponsoring somebody's mental health you're sponsoring a whole family to feel connected to one another you're sponsoring a whole relationship to grow you're sponsoring a whole child's just interaction with their father I mean that that's worth a thousand dollars right there Right. Right. Yes. And we, we appreciate that. And, and that is what, yeah, that's our, that's our bread and butter. And not only that, you know, although we get big dollar donations, which we greatly appreciate, but the thing that touches my heart, especially are the small dollar donations. You know, sometimes we have people giving $5 and we raised a 10, we raised $9,000 on small dollar donations. From the time that we left the breakfast club till now, we raised about, yeah, about $9,000 off those small dollar donations. And sometimes people say, you know, I don't have much to give, but here's $12. Those mean so much to me because it makes me, I'm like getting emotional, but that just makes me feel like they believe in what we're doing so much that they're willing to give like their last $12. That just, it, 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 it touches me, you know, I mean, not that the big dollar ones don't touch me either, but you know, <laughs> but in, in a different way, <laughs> right, in a different way. 
I do love the fact that you um, have chosen clinicians who are in private practice, because as a clinician who is in private practice and who used to work in a clinic setting, I know it just looks very different and it feels very different. So for people who are listening, when you walk into a clinic, you know, you, you go to the front desk and then you sit down, but it's usually a lot of people in the waiting area. And sometimes that doesn't feel very comfortable that there are all of these kind of eyes on you while you're waiting to go be vulnerable in front of someone who's then going to have their eyes on you as well. And I do think at times the quality of care and the way that you are treated can be very different. It feels like there's so many people walking in, you're just kind of another number. And as a therapist who was at a clinic, at, at one point I had 100 clients, guys. I just need you to understand, 100 clients that I was responsible for, right? And so if anything happened to them, that was on me. And so how is it that I can give this person all the care and the time and the consideration that they need, especially when they might, this might be their first time in therapy, right? And I want them to have a great experience when I'm asked to see 10 people a day or maybe 12 people a day. And then they're all back to back to back to back, right? So then I'm burnt out. And like, what type of care am I, am I giving? And so as a therapist there, I did my very best because I cared very much about my clientele, because also my clientele looked just like me. There was this, this, this feeling that I just was very, had to be responsible for them in a different way. So I know that now that I'm in private practice and I've been in private practice for a couple of years now, what it's like to just walk in and there's like maybe one person in the waiting room, right? Um, to see another clinician. And when they come in my office, right? My, my office is nicely decorated. There's a really great couch they can lay on, right? So they feel like, they see the value in it, maybe, I think, in a different way, because this person has the time to talk with me, to see me, to hear me in a way that I'm not rushed in the same way. So I, I think it's really great that you decided to do it this way. And if this is people's first experience with therapy, I can see them wanting to come back in a way that maybe when you go to a clinic, just kind of feel like a number and you don't know if you really want to come back. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. that that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'm glad that you, 10, 100, oh my gosh, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to watch. She was very tired. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work, but it is, there's that, um, that level of care that you are providing for these men to really, like, it's so nurturing. It's, it's so, I know I said it already, but it's so loving what, the whole mission of making sure that like men's feelings are taken care of and heard and seen and especially black men, especially in this environment that we're living in right now and how difficult it is with the media. It's like all, all everything that isn't filtered and that people are watching, everybody's watching, but it's impacting black people in a much different way. And so that this is available right now is just spectacular and that King's Corner is open to the whole world <laughs> is so yes. um yes. it's like there there's very few bright spots in COVID very few but under these circumstances I think that you've given that piece is a bright spot in in the world that there that that happened at this time and it is available to men and that they're that they're willing participants because it is so important so I want to thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think that it is important for us to let our listeners know how they can give. 
right? Oh, like, right. Yeah, that's going to be most important. And if there are links that you guys give out so people can kind of share, I don't know, on their social media accounts and things like that. So, you know, we can help people to give more, right? So like, you know, on Be Well Psychotherapy, if we can share it there, if I could share it on my own personal stuff, right? I think that that would be amazing. So let our listeners know, like, how can they give? How can they donate? Right. And I'm also going to put it in the chat, but um, we have um, uh, our PayPal is info at blackmanheal.org. And you can also always go to our website, which is www.blackmanheal.org slash donate. Um, and then we also have just a cash app, which is um, money sign BMH Blackman Hill. And again, I'll put all of that on the, um, you know, on the chat. But again, every, every dollar counts. You know, I used to hear people say that and it's like, oh, what is a dollar going to do? But that every dollar really does help. Every dollar has really helped us continue on with King's Corner, you know, buying the t-shirts. Um, the men are, well, the men are buying the t-shirts, like even the $25 t-shirts help towards sponsoring a man in his therapy. I love the gear. I love that you have gear. <laughs> I was like, I was checking it out. I was checking it out. I mean, it's such a good way to put the, put it out there. And also what a testament to what the men are getting out of it, that they would buy a t-shirt that said King's Corner. I mean, you only, it, you promote something that means something to you, but whatever the reason is. So I think that, um, I like it. I, we're going to make sure that we put it out there. I'm going to make sure that it's on our website, Be Well Psychotherapy, and also on all of our social media. I like the Cash App action. I, that's uh, very direct, right on your phone. Don't even have to think about it. You can, as you're listening, is everything. Right. As you're listening to this episode right now, you heard her. Every dollar counts. You could listen, and while it's on your phone, you can donate $5 right now. She'll be really excited about it <laughs> on Tuesday. Comes out the episode will come out on Tuesday. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, we will. <laughs> my goodness! All right, and it, you know, just like the King's Corner one, my favorite is when men buy this one that says "Black Men Need Hugs." <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is one okay. of our first ones that we did. We uh, created in the. 2018 and a lot of men really love this one for some reason but because it's so true it's so true a hug is so important and i've said this multiple times since covid started as i miss hugging more than i miss mm -hmm. so many things that's true but that physical connection and hugging and like the vulnerability in a hug black men really need to be hugged and held and you're holding i mean you're holding them verbally and letting them and their emotions, but it is like the next level of being able to be in that space is to also allow themselves to be held and hugged within their communities by their people. Yes. Black men do need to be hugged. It's true. Yeah. And the t-shirts that just say black men heal, I think it's so important to even have that language put out there that as a black man, I need, I have something to heal. There yep. needs to be some healing going on. Um, and for them to just kind of be out in the barbershop, wherever they are mm -hmm. with this T-shirt on mm -hmm. so people can ask them more about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they can talk about their journey. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's so beautiful about this, that you have black men who are willing to talk about their journey. And it's just a journey with mental wellness. Right. It's not about mental illness. It's about mental wellness. Right. Like, how do I think about you know, if my physical being is going to be well, then my mental being needs to be well as well. So I, I love the fact that, you know, these t-shirts are just kind of putting it out there. Right. 
Right. And our motto, uh, our motto of our whole mission is healed men, heal men. And that that model right there to me is it should eradicate the whole stigma of it. It's like how they say hurt people, hurt people, well, heal mm-hmm. people, heal mm-hmm. people. And when our men are starting their healing journey, they are they can't wait to share it with other men. And then that makes them, you know, try to jumpstart their healing journey. I will say um, I am guilty of focusing on black women. I do have an organization called Black Woman Behold. And, you know, and we talk about to be whole is to be healed, right? So again, we think about that, but we do focus on women. So I'm glad that there are other programs, of course, out there that focus on men, because I do think that they need it as much as women. But I also know that women are quicker to get help because men can barely ask for directions, right? (laughs) Let alone ask for help. Sometimes, sometimes. Sorry, guys. So, you know, <laughs> was that really bad? No, we're just, are, are the men going to come after me? <laughs> I didn't say, I just didn't, I didn't think it was coming. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming, but it's, yes, they have, we have, men have less language than women. It's true. Yes. It's, they're so weird. And if you watch how we socialize men, how we socialize babies, we taught, we use more words with uh, young female identified babies than we do with male identified babies. This is about the conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. So we really have to look at the conditioning and it has to start young. And especially with our young black boys, it has to start then talking about like your emotional life is important. It has value. I care about what you think. I care about what you feel. You know, crying is a healthy emotion. Right. So all of those things have to start very early. So I'm just happy that Zakia, you took the time on, you know, out today to just come and talk about something that's just so important. And for me, it's just so near and dear to my heart. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And I also just, I had a little uh, fantasy of the collab of the King's Corner and the Black Women Behold and the Healed communities. That's all. I'm just putting it out there. You never know what's going to happen. And Anisha's going to be volunteering in New York. It's going to be office space. (laughs) And when we move to New York I see like these two groups coming together it's okay I'll just I'm just gonna just throw it out there in the world and see what happens from there I'm ready yes I can't <laughs> wait I, we look forward to it yeah <laughs> um yeah at the end of every episode Anisha asked some questions in case we didn't get to know you well enough we want to know just a little bit more about you a little bit more and so she prepares these questions now she's gonna she's ready Okay. So there's always a fun one and there's one that's a little bit more serious. So we'll go with the fun one first. If you had your own late night talk show, who would you invite as your first guest? Wow. That's a tough one. Um, I think right now, I think I would want to talk to Tamika Mallory um, because she's an activist that does the work that I wish I can do. I just can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the nature of my job. I can't, travel all over the world like she does um, being on the front lines but yeah probably Tamika Mallory I love that I love that answer because I'm pretty sure everyone saw the video of her after the death of George Floyd um yeah she she's she's amazing um and the other question is how have you been brave today just doing this this just brave you know (laughs) 
<laughs> you initially reached out to Taz. Taz is the one that likes to speak. You watched the Breakfast Club interview. I'd say like three things. Like, I don't like speaking <laughs> on a camera. I don't like being, you know, I this is just, this is brave. I, I, I love what I do. I'm the client liaison. I put the cohorts together. You know, I like love doing the back work and all of that kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff I don't like doing at all. I mean, I like to do it because it brings awareness to Black Men Hill. It brings awareness to the stigma around Black men and, and all that good stuff. But I do not like speaking or talking or being in, in, in the front of the, you know, I like, I like being in the background, doing the cohort stuff and, you know, calling the men and the providers and that kind of thing. So, the, you know. But Taz had a prior engagement, so anytime she can't do it, I do it. But every time someone calls to speak to a representative about Black Men Hill, I'm like, oh, go ahead, Taz. That's that's your thing. <laughs> well, you did great. Oh, you did great. oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you for being brave today, right? Because I totally understand that, right? Like just kind of the whole speaking thing. Um, we started this podcast in the pandemic, and there were days where like, oh, I think I'm too anxious to do this. But you know. I've gotten used to it. And I think that just like my voice should be heard, your voice should be heard as well. And Taz should not be the only um, representative of Black Men Heal out there. So I'm just happy to know that you decided to come and share this time with us this morning. Yeah, she always says that to me too. The more I do it, the better, the, you know, I'll get you, the more I'll get used to it. So I'll take your advice then since you feel, because I'm like that too. I, I suffer from anxiety myself. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh gosh, you know, but thank you. I'm, 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 I was, I'm glad to spend my, my morning, well, mid-afternoon with you ladies. It was fun. It was definitely fun for us as well. <laughs> it was definitely fun for us. Okay, so we're going to try to do it. You ready, Anisha? Yes. We, okay. We're still in a pandemic, so stay, stay safe, safe, wash, wash your hands, hands and, and wear mask. the mask. <laughs> Thank you right, everybody guys. so much you, <laughs> for being with us for another episode. And uh, we'll have all the information on Black Men Heal in the show notes and also on across our social media channels. So please donate, 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 donate. Thank you so much. And thank you. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.